0: You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Sarah Avant Stover. Sarah is a teacher of feminine spirituality and empowerment, and she's also the best selling author and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. She graduated from Columbia University's all women's school, Barnard College. And after a cancer scare in her early 20s, Sarah moved to Thailand, where she lived for 10 years and embarked on a decade-long healing and spiritual odyssey throughout Asia. And she has since gone on to uplift tens of thousands of women worldwide. She's a pioneer in contemporary women's work. She's the creator of the world's first women's yoga teacher training, Reversing Our Curse, and also The She School. Her new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, celebrates all that it means to be a woman from mythological underpinnings to the cycles of our day-to-day lives. In today's episode, Sarah and I spoke about rhythm, its significance and power for women, the heroine's journey versus the hero's journey, and the specific five steps to the heroine's journey, archetypes, and specifically the importance of the crone. Learning how to navigate through darkness and how to, quote, turn on your brights. And finally, the homecoming. Here's my conversation Living the Heroine's Journey with the wise and powerful Sarah Avant Stover. Hello and welcome. Sarah, how are you? I'm well, Chantal. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so great to get you on here after all these years just being in community together. Yeah, it's so great to hear you're really expanding your work and I'm excited to dig in. Yeah, me too. So your first book, The Way of the Happy Woman was a great success and really focused on cycles, which I appreciated. So often I feel like I live out of cycle and it's good just to have the reminder. And then you have a new book out going from that, again, in that theme of cycles and patterns with the book of She. And I would love to just kind of start with what your connection is to you know, kind of, it's it's almost like, I don't know if it's systems, or, you know, you clearly have archetypes and cycles. And why the rhythm? Why the focus on rhythm? And how does that relate to being a woman? Mm. Yeah,
1: I find I found that rhythms and kind of the blueprint of rhythms, whether that's the blueprint of the four seasons, or the lunar cycle, or in this new book, The the Blueprint of the Heroine's Journey, allow me to make sense of parts of my life that don't seem to make sense. And in my early 20s, what was the launching point for the book, The Way the Happy Woman, was a real crisis and feeling disconnected from my womanhood, which I know is very much at the heart of what emerging women is coming out of for you and for all the women in this community that are drawn to it. And I looked to the ancient practices from Taoism and Ayurveda and yoga to help me to heal and to really learn how to be a woman. And it was the rhythms of cycles that helped me to do that. Learning how to eat according to the seasons, learning how to adapt my yoga practice, adapt, just my whole lifestyle according to the seasons, and then breaking that down more to even the lunar cycles and my hormonal cycles. And as I did that, these kind of grosser elements of my womanhood started to heal. Like I didn't have my cycle for a long time, and I started to get my cycle back. I had the early stages of cervical cancer, and that cleared up through doing that. And I had ovarian cysts that were the size of golf balls that also healed through that. And gradually over the past, now it's been 18 years of doing this, I just peeling away the layers and going from that gross level to now with this new book to the more hidden dimensions of psyche and soul and how to heal those levels through these larger patterns
0: Yeah, I love that like on a very gross level, the earth itself and our solar system and is very, you know, physically and energetically connected to cycles and patterns and as you say, blueprints, I love that. And that feels very feminine, right? Like, okay, we're connecting to the earth or something like in that gross realm, the feminine is very comfortable. And it's just so interesting that you're drawing on this whole like heroine's journey, because the hero's journey, as we move into this realm of more of the subtle, has always felt very masculine. And I know the word hero is very masculine. So it's just interesting that you're moving into an area that I think has not really had the benefit of the feminine lens.
1: Definitely, and the hero's journey was mapped out for men, and I have great respect for Joseph Campbell, the scholar who really pulled out that monometh across cultures and time. But he was writing in the mid 1900s at, at a time when most women in this country were housewives, and we didn't have the opportunity to go out on a quest and to discover who we are. And so it really wasn't meant for us. And we have suffered the consequences of that in having this narrative, this central global narrative be presented to us across popular culture for all these years. Star Wars, The Matrix, um, these groundbreaking movies like this and not seeing ourselves as women represented. And this book is really standing on the shoulders of Maureen Murdoch, who really brought out this concept of the heroine's journey. She studied Joseph Campbell's work and started to see, she was a Jungian analyst, and started to see in her work with women, these recurring themes of uh, women going on these inner quests and needing to have a name for that and calling it the heroine's journey.
0: Give us a little bit of background. Let's start first with looking at Joseph Campbell's work and the whole hero's journey. We don't have to go through every level, but what does that mean? In a nutshell, it is
1: being in one's ordinary life, living one's day-to-day life, and receiving a call from the unknown. It could be some sort of a crisis or some sort of an invitation or opportunity And first resisting that call, because fundamentally, we don't want to change. We want to kind of stay safe, stay comfortable. And ultimately, that call getting so loud, that one needs to, to set out on the journey. And along the journey, encountering many obstacles, demons and dragons, inner and outer, and reaching such a level of challenge that you get to the heart of the journey, which Joseph Campbell called the abyss, And there, one faces uh, either a literal and or metaphorical death. And from there, supernatural aid pours in, and one really discovers uh, his or her inner resources. And from there, is able to go back into one's home community and share these gifts, share the fruits of one's own unique incarnation in a way that truly benefits
0: those around them. Right. Okay. And your book is broken up into three parts and there's the journey, the descent, and then the initiation. Would it be fair to say that these three parts are all part of that hero's journey? They, they fit into that circular model and there's actually
1: five parts that I lay out in the heroine's journey. There's preparing for the journey. Mm -hmm. There's the descent there's the initiation, there's the ascent, and there's a homecoming.
0: Oh, okay. So, okay, and then the homecoming. Got it.
1: But, yes, these definitely follow that
0: pattern so of the hero's, hero's journey. The journey is very similar to the hero's journey in those core parts of the journey. Exactly. Okay. Okay, and then so... Tell us what's different.
1: (laughs) Well, as you and I, and sure many of the women, all of the women listening know that women are very different from men. Mm. We have very distinct neurological, biological differences, which now in more modern waves of feminism are starting to be understood that whereas our foremothers, we needed to kind of act like men in order to get ahead, dress like men, wearing suits and ties to work. We're in a very different time now. And we're starting to see that and honor that men and women are very different. And we can honor our differences and see the strengths and see the power within our distinct differences. And so This model of the heroine's journey takes into account these differences. And one of the core things is our cycles. And I've always been astounded when looking at kind of these patterns, these roadmaps to empowerment and to becoming who we truly are, that there's an exclusion of cycles. In my life, in the lives of all the women that I know, all my girlfriends, all my colleagues, we grow so much through our cycles, whether that's through the challenges that we have with PMS, whether that's through motherhood, whether that's through perimenopause and the transitions of menopause, these cyclical milestones in our lives really signal so many changes that ripple out into all different areas and they need to be included on our journey And so I mapped out the heroine's journey in a way that allows us to stop putting these massive cycles on the outskirts of our life experience and bringing them right into the center to see them as the means through which we evolve.
0: Right. And in terms of archetypes and you address these in the book, I would love to just kind of hear again as we, you know, through a woman's life, the different sort of personas or archetypes or phases, you know, like just using labels, but of course there's more to it that, that are kind of like pretty much universal for women.
1: Yeah. Well, I start off the heroine's journey with the archetype of the father's daughter and this is another way that we're different from men, that the heroine's journey is different from the hero's journey is we have different cultural conditioning and we were raised to be a certain way as women, mostly to be good girls, to be nice girls. And we had certain relationships with our fathers, with our mothers, with the larger culture around us that really shaped what we think is possible for ourselves and for our world. And to go on the heroine's journey, we need to unpack those. And we need to see are are these mine? Do I want to carry these with me? Are these serving me? And the father's daughter, we see the ways that we've inherited these, this almost addictive drive for success. And we see at the heart of that, we can have compassion for ourselves because that came out of a little girl's desire to be loved. To be loved in her father's eyes, whether or not her father was physically or emotionally present in her life. And also to be loved in society's eyes, that kind of larger, all-pervading father of the patriarchal society that we've all grown up in. So first we reckon with that and then we start to move forward and we face different archetypes that help us to break out of this good girl mode and try on a more dynamic spectrum of our womanhood more integrated spectrum so we encounter uh, i i bring in emily dickinson right and this kind of this darkness but also, this creative genius and this power that we all have to transmute our deepest wounds into our most profound creative offerings for the world. And I introduce the dark goddess and just the fierce medicine of anger and shame. And I bring in the dakini from the Buddhist traditions and how. I love how the Buddhist teacher Lama Sultram Alioni, who has a beautiful center in Colorado, uh, a temple for, for Tara and the sacred feminine in the West, and she teaches a lot on the Dakini, and how in any creative endeavor, any time we're facing a struggle in life, we need to call on the Dakini because she brings the magic. She kind of, she's the one who pulls the rug out from underneath us and shakes things up and helps us to see life in a newer, fresher way. So we meet the Dakini in the midpoint of the journey in the initiation. And towards the end, we we meet Mary Magdalene. Actually, we meet Mary Magdalene at the beginning and the end. We meet Mother Mary. We meet Princess Tara. And these are all archetypes that help us to bring in qualities of compassion, Mm -hmm. of devotion, of service to those we love and
0: and to the world. Right. And then the crone. I love your I would love the crone. That, yeah. Cuz there's, like, there's a lot I talked her out. There's there, a lot there. There's a lot there on yes. the crone, right? I'm just like, "God, really the crone, but I have to tell you it's not far away." Yeah. You know, and it's just I love to just explore that because I think a lot of women in our audience are actually in the crone and world. And I feel like I need more crone in my life, you know, like I want to, I feel like our society has under, oh uh, appreciated the crone. I mean, certainly media. I mean, that's just, you know, but I'm talking about women too. I mean, we, it's like, it's beyond the mother wound. It's like the, you know, the whole lineage of the earth lives in the crone and, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I've gotten a lot of yeah, I've gotten a lot of pushback over the years
1: from the women that I teach, saying, "I don't want to be called a crone. Can't we make up another word?"
0: Right. And
1: I say, "No, the crone is powerful. We're not going to buy into the fact that she's not. We need to re-own this, and that women of every age needs to get in touch with that inner crone because she is." the badass within us. She is the one who in any situation can just cut through our emotions and find the truth, find the right thing to do. And we need her. She's a really potent ally. And the older we get, the the closer she comes to the surface Mm. to tell us to tell the truth tell the truth with love, even if it hurts, to embody that kind of fierce, tough love, which is so hard for us because we can get so swayed by our emotions and we want other people to like us and we want to take care of other people. We don't want to hurt their feelings. But she teaches us that the best way that we can love others is to be ourselves and to call things as they are and not to sugarcoat things.
0: Yeah. And also there's a certain, my sister is turning 60 this year. My older sister, there's six of us in our family. We're all spread out by like 15 years, you know, in pairs. And she, what she said is part of like growing old and she's like a total babe. Right. So, you know, she's struggled with this whole image and, you know, how to grow old and feel really, you know, beautiful and appreciate her body and all that. And what she said was what was so freeing about moving into this phase was that like, for instance, she's got long blonde hair and she's letting it grow white. She's like that. I can just make that decision. And it's not even a hard one to make. It's just like, fuck, yeah, I'm doing this and it feels really good. And you just don't care anymore. So I look forward to that, <laughs> you know, to not caring and just being able to make decisions that are really coming from a place of, of alignment and what you know to be true.
1: Yeah. And to carve out that kind of new, new role models for an empowered woman as she's growing older. Cause I look at my for my grandmother's generation, for instance, and my grandmother's no, no longer alive, but she and all her friends, you know, they cut their hair really short and they started wearing kind of frumpy, more masculine clothes and she's with Velcro everywhere. And that's kind of the image of growing older that I had in my mind. And now I'm so grateful to have women like your sister um, and many other women now that we see emerging showing us a new path yeah. of bringing our individuality, bringing our strength through us, with us throughout our whole lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're paying attention to all these archetypes and, and then we're going through this journey at the same time as we're kind of shifting in phase. Is this something that's happening over a lifetime or are we doing this heroine's journey In times of like when we're emerging into something, like we're starting a business or we're, you know, there's the sort of meta cycle of the heroine's journey. Just being a woman on the planet is a freaking heroic effort, you know. (laughs) So, or is it more applicable to like different like pushes or pushing is not the right word, but when we're emerging into something significant. Yes, it, that's that's right. It's both. So there's the meta journey of
1: our entire lives, our whole life as a heroine's journey. And the homecoming is our death. And the starting up on the journey is our birth. And then there's these mini cycles of the heroine's journey that happens at different stages in our lives where our growth is accelerated. So just like you said, Chantal, birthing a business, that's a major heroine's journey. And having a child getting sick, having our beloved die, or having a child die, um, having a financial crisis, or having a midlife crisis, these are all examples of when the heroine's journey really intensifies. And that's why I was drawn to this because I I was faced with a lot of challenges when I was writing my first book, things that I couldn't make sense of. And I needed I needed to find some kind of a roadmap to find my way through it. And more and more women started to come to me in similar crises, needing to make sense of why is my life falling apart? Why why can't I just be normal again? And being able to offer them this lens and see, okay, this is the first stage of the heroine's journey. This is leaving your normal life. This is a great thing. This is a celebration. Here we go. (laughs) And then there's even more micro um, phases of the heroine's journey, which happens through our monthly cycles. And I teach that, Each of our cycles, whether it's our actual menstrual cycle, or if you're not having your cycle, it's a lunar cycle of these mini heroines journeys that lead us to, to fruition of celebration, and then ask us to let go and have kind of a metaphorical death and then rebirth. And these, it's what these mini cycles partnering with these mini cycles, when the stakes are low that help to train us. It's kind of, it's like weightlifting or um, endurance training for when these bigger life events hit us. So, so we're
0: ready. So let's unpack it just a little bit because I'm in the middle as we're all in the middle of this, but you know, for sure, I feel like I don't know where I would fall on this. I'm definitely past the journey. The descent has happened, though there's, I'm up, I'm down. Um, (laughs) And uh, there's been plenty of initiations and there's been some ascent. And, you know, so tell us like a little bit like how this works. You said you get a message from the unknown and you begin your journey. Things start to shift out of the norm that I get. And then there's this descent. Must it always be that way?
1: Yes, it always has to be that way because what it is, what happens when we get this call from the unknown, it's usually a call from life asking us to dance with life in a different way and there's usually some undigested old material that needs our attention in our inner life.
0: Right. Seems to be the case. So the dissent is about reconciling that and coming face to face with it, bringing some awareness around it. And, uh, awareness and love. And the love. So it's learning how to mother ourselves
1: and seeing that whatever kind of inner saboteurs, whatever inner stress we have is parts of ourselves that are screaming for our attention and they want to be included. They want to be heard, they want to be witnessed, they want to be honored, they want to be loved, just like every being on the planet. Right. And so the descent is, is about this, this motherly love. And in doing that, we unlock this tremendous creative energy. Like I mentioned Emily Dickinson earlier, this tremendous creative energy that was previously spent moving in the wrong direction Uh through self-sabotage or just getting stuck or just judging ourselves, judging others, then we can start to funnel this creative energy into a more nourishing, enlivening channel. And that brings us to the initiation, which is when... We need to surrender to letting go of who we've been, letting go of the life that we've lived, stepping into the unknown with an open heart, even though we're afraid, and being open to whatever comes. And it's easy for me to say it's very
0: hard for us to live. It's very hard. I mean, I don't know that I've... You know, it's interesting, when you're in the darkness, I feel like time is going to push you through pretty much anything, but what shape you're in when you're on the other side of that, I feel like we're in much better shape if we go through it with that openness.
1: And part of the openness is knowing, is being open to our closure, and right. knowing if when we're in the dark, I mean it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. We're, we're gonna be contracted, we're gonna be messy. We're gonna say the wrong things. We're, we're gonna have bags under our eyes. <laughs> we're gonna have adrenal fatigue. You know, it's just it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. And just being open to knowing that that's okay, knowing that we don't always need to have it together, and yeah
0: (sighs) yeah and then I mean where does the trust come in because you know like the initiation it's all intense and you know where's the relief the physical relief here knowing that you know that there's a an upswing Because Mm -hmm. you know regardless it feels like your premise here is that we're always following this kind of pattern yeah. And the benefit is to trust in the pattern.
1: To trust to surrender to the pattern and knowing that we're always learning how to more deeply trust. We're always learning how to more deeply surrender until we die in the ultimate surrender. So better practice now, right? That's what that's what I that's what I feel at least. And the relief the relief comes through an inpouring of grace that we can't control and we can't understand with our minds but every spiritual tradition that I've studied and practiced at least says that up until a certain point in the journey it is our effort it is our skillful means that we get by with you know we do the practices we do the inner work and then there's a point where something opens, where this intelligence in us widens and takes over and shows us a deeper dimension of who we are and why we're here. And what this life is really about. And we can't script when that moment will happen. And there's many moments of those awakenings that happen over our lives. But we need to stay present to our inner life so that when they do come, we can really receive them and learn from them and change as a result of them.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the ascent now, because this is, you know, this is the good stuff. Um, but I think you know when I think about emerging women, this whole sense of emerging versus the time of healing, our audience seems not not that there's no more healing to be done. If you're an emerging woman, I mean, you know, obviously we're constantly bringing up things, and but I have noticed that that we speak to an audience that is like that has done some you know reflection and has done that deep sort of descent and has been initiated and somehow we're all kind of and, and this is also just happening i think cosmically or worldwide globally with the feminine is that it's coming up through an ascent it's emerging like i feel like just the feminine power on the planet is in this sort of ascent category so Talk to us about ascent and.
1: Sure, yeah, I I feel that that same way too, Chantal. And the ascent. The first stage of the ascent is called turning on your brights, and I start out that chapter with a story about Marilyn Monroe, how she was sick and at a pharmacy and getting some medicine, filling a prescription. She was just dressed in. A trench coat and kind of hiding. And on her way out, someone, a passerby, or passed her, saw her, noticed her, and just exclaimed, oh my God, it's Marilyn Monroe. And all of a sudden, there was a huge crowd around her. And in an instant, she transformed herself into Marilyn and turned on her brights from the inside and shown them out. And she is a beautiful role model for this power that we all have as women to kind of flip an inner radiance switch where we can be chameleons. We can hide out and not be noticed. We can walk into a party if we want to be kind of incognito. And then there can be a moment where we turn on our brights and everyone in the room notices us. And I'm sure that we've all had this experience, especially if you've ever done anything on stage, to really turn on your brights and emanate. And so in this stage of the journey, it's about learning how to do that and learning how to get comfortable with it. Because a lot of us, definitely myself, I I was very shy in school and was often very shy about my intelligence, about my beauty, about my feminine body, which often drew a lot of attention and rather than playing that out, I kind of try to kind of hide in the corner. And something I've had to learn in my adulthood is to really stand in my radiance and to not close. Certainly if I'm in an unsafe environment, if I'm walking at night on the street in New York City, I'm gonna dim my radiance switch to not draw attention to myself. But just on an average day, Going out to the store, going out to a cafe, to meet a friend, you know, to expand and to see what it's like to shine more brightly from within. So on this ascending journey, we, we start with that and then we also connect with another archetype whom we haven't touched on yet called the magical child and The magical child is the source of our creativity. She's the source of our play. She is the source of our joy. And reconnecting with her and bringing her with us along our path so we don't need to be so serious all the time. We can bring some spunk, we can bring some spontaneity, we can bring more of our personality into whatever it is we're offering in the world. To make it distinctly ours. And it's really these two, these two archetypes, the Marilyn Monroe and the magical child that help us to move to the final stage of the journey, which is birthing your beautiful life. To birth the life that we are each here to live and that only we can live. Mm.
0: Yeah. And so then there's the homecoming.
1: The homecoming right, is often the hardest part of the journey. I love the quote from Ram Das. I'm forgetting the exact words, but it's something like if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I really felt this. I lived in Thailand for all of my 20s, and was able to have so many euphoric experiences there, because I was felt unhinged from my past, and moving back here to the States and moving to Boulder, I had to really reckon with a lot of things that I had run from, and the same is true for, for all of our heroines' homecomings. It's it's a time to bring back to our roots all of our wisdom, all of our glory, and all of our baggage, and to offer it up, to offer it up in the spirit of generosity, and to say, this is who I am, this is what I've, what I've learned, I'm not perfect, and I want to give this anyway. And in a larger sense, the heroine's journey is really the recognition, kind of the, the ultimate spiritual realization that we can let go of this idea that, you know, I am Sarah, I am this distinct separate person with this distinct separate personality, to start to let go of those boundaries and become more boundary-less. It's a paradox. You know, we we learn to set boundaries, to say no. And ultimately, we need to let that go in order to let this larger stream of life and interconnectedness flow through us.
0: Yeah. In the end, you know, that connection, that space of we, I think is... It's a nice place to end, you know. We're just so alienated, and again, I love the internet because it connects. But I just feel like we've, especially women, you know, we just—it just feels less and less connected. We're separate from our families. We're, you know, doing kids on our own. Yeah, and so I, I just definitely feel like this feeling of home is definitely key and tender and. Terrari Trent one of our speakers in Emerging Women Live 2015 she was also in Half the Sky her mother told her that you know she used to write her dreams down and she dreamed of an education she lived in Zimbabwe and her mom had her write her dreams down she buried them in a can in Africa and but none of the dreams her mom said had carried any validity unless she put another dream at the very end, which said that you carry all of your dreams. When you've gotten your dreams, you bring it back to your community, mm-hmm. you bring them back home. Mm-hmm. So Whatever you've accomplished, whatever, you know, goals you've gotten, whatever dreams have come true for you, whatever wishes that they actually do not solidify. You don't actually get the benefit of them until you actually bring them back home. And I just thought that was so lovely. And it has a purpose to it. That's
1: really beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it calls us out of that,
1: the demon of self-doubt and to say, you know, even if someone else has already taught this, even if I don't have all the resources in the world to launch this amazing business, I can still take a step. And I have this sacred duty to share this Yeah. and not to hold it back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and to express it and to give it as a service to our community. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, you know, again, we complete the cycle. And there's something so satisfying about that. There is Uh immensely satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love what you're weaving here. I just, I love the, the power of myth and connection to something greater, a system that has, you know, both physical and energetic, a perfect system, you know, roots that it just feels, you know, less alienating when we know we're working in, in something that's larger than ourselves, but that unifies us. It's just fabulous.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it helps us define the, the divine order in the chaos
0: of our lives. And I love the the title of your book, The Book of She. It's fabulous. It's beautiful. Everybody out there, if you haven't seen it, we can get it anywhere. Just Google it, and uh, it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores, um, and it's published by New World Library. And Sarah, if you were going to give one parting thought to our audience, which is an audience primarily of you know either you know in in the beginning of their ascent or they're coming home or they're leaving initiation but i do believe they're in the latter part of this journey what would you want to say to them
1: keep going <laughs> keep going and every day first shine your light inside shine your light inside see how your inner landscape is this precious body mind heart know what's here and from that place then you can shine your light out
0: perfect well thank you so much it's been such a pleasure i'm so i feel so proud of you as like my whole girl sister here in boulder colorado i am so proud of you for everything you've created i just love
1: emerging women and i'm honored to be a part of it
0: Aww, thank you. Mwah. Okay, well, come. Yeah. Take good care. Love you. Too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.